The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 649 for November 18th, 2018. The FCC opens up use of Europe's Galileo satellite system, senators dig into video throttling, and Project Fi starts auto-connecting to VPN. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and iOS for $1.99. Well, first in the news this week, Intel Monday introducing the XMM8160. This is a 5G modem that will bring high-speed connectivity to mobile phones, computers, and other broadband devices by 2020. The modem supports the 5G NR spec, including both standalone SA and non-standalone or NSA modes for fixed and mobile service. The XMM8160 will be backwards compatible with 4G, 3G, and 2G networks. It supports both millimeter wave and sub-6 gigahertz spectrum, including T-Mobile's 600 megahertz band 71. It'll also be capable of peak download speeds of 6 gigabits per second. Intel claiming the multi-mode baseband will allow device makers to create smaller and more powerful, power-efficient, that is, gear that can support old and new networking technologies. And include simultaneous connectivity, allowing devices to seamlessly switch between 5G and LTE when 5G is not available. Intel says the modem has support from carriers and device makers and is compatible with a wide range of platforms. The XMM8160 5G modem will ship to device makers in the second half of 2019, and commercial availability will begin in the first half of 2020. Next, the FCC Wednesday began auctioning off licenses for a total of 1.55 gigahertz of spectrum for 5G mobile service. Two auctions are on deck. Auction 101, which started this week, including two 425 megahertz blocks in the 28 gigahertz band that are made available uh, on a county-by-county basis. Auction 102 for 24 gigahertz of spectrum began immediately after 101, or will begin after 101 concludes. And this 24 gigahertz auction includes seven 100 megahertz blocks of spectrum. Uh, The two auctions will be followed uh, by another next year, which covers three millimeter wave spectrum blocks at the 37 gigahertz, 39 gigahertz, and 47 gigahertz ranges. Uh, Wireless carriers are expected to bid on these licenses and eventually use them for mobile 5G service. The FCC Thursday issuing an order allowing U.S. consumers and businesses to use the European Union's Global Navigation Satellite System, which is GNSS, also known as Galileo. Galileo is available globally, and the action means devices in the U.S. now have permission to access those signals to improve availability, reliability, and resiliency of positioning, navigation, and timing services across the country. The order approved two of Galileo's frequencies, E1 and E5, both of which fall in the Radio Navigation Satellite Service, or RNSS, frequency bands. Uh, If you're interested, that's 1559 to 1591 megahertz and 1164 to 1219 megahertz. Uh, Many of today's smartphones already include support for Galileo, uh, and it's not clear, though, how quickly the order will go into effect and how long then it will take for the software to be issued to update the radios to be able to take advantage of the EU satellites. It's kind of interesting. I didn't even realize they were blocked here in the U.S. It is, and and whether or not these, I'm guessing, were not being used when you were traveling internationally, although... Um, you know, perhaps they could have been doing that. Um, it, it's a it's a very interesting thing. And, and obviously, you know, having more is certainly probably going to be better when it comes to the reliability and accuracy of our devices. So certainly nice to have. Well, recently published research suggests that four major wireless carriers are throttling video traffic and three Senate Democrats want to know what's going on. 
Senators Edward Markey of, uh, excuse me, yeah, Markey of Massachusetts, uh, Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, and Ron Wyden of Oregon sent letters to AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon, of course, about the allegations with a demand for a formal explanation. Uh, all online traffic should be treated equally, they say, and the internet service providers should not discriminate against particular content or applications for competitive advantage purposes or otherwise. Uh, the testing plat- uh, platform that was used showed that AT&T throttled NBC Sports, Netflix, and YouTube. Sprint was throttling Amazon Prime, Netflix, Skype video calls, and YouTube. T-Mobile throttling Amazon Prime, NBC Sports, and Netflix. And Verizon throttling Amazon Prime, Netflix, and YouTube. T-Mobile also engaged in boosting, which provided unthrottled video streaming for a short time before eventually throttling it. Carrier's usage pro- uh, policies may allow for some throttling or downgraded resolution, and due to the loss of net neutrality protections, current law does not explicitly prohibit this throttling. However, the law does say that carriers have to disclose their throttling practices, and if any exist, and in this case, it's not clear if any of the carriers have specifically stated that they throttle the aforementioned apps and services. AT&T has disputed the research, and Sprint told Ars Technica that it does not impose any restrictions on voiceover IP or voiceover IP services. The carriers have just a couple weeks. December 6th is the deadline to answer the senator's questions. Well, now since, you know, net neutrality, they don't have to abide by it. They don't even have to allow VoIP traffic. So Skype, eh, get rid of that. That competes with our voice service, right? So uh, that's what we have to watch out for because it's very possible that'll happen. Uh, But we know that Verizon, you know, for years was throttling Netflix without admitting to it, uh, even though they shouldn't have been, but they were doing it. Um, it, it, it's obviously somewhat hard to tell on mobile devices, but if you have a higher resolution screen, you can definitely notice that it's streaming in lower quality. I did some today. I was reconfiguring my, uh, Wi-Fi, uh, uh, cable modem thing at home here. And I, I was using Netflix on my Verizon iPad. I could clearly see that the, uh, throttling was in effect because the quality was not nearly as good as it should be on that video. And, uh, I, it, it's kind of, terrible that uh, AT&T was it AT&T was uh, throttling Skype video. Now that's really disappointing because that is something that's nice to have high quality video if you're uh, talking with somebody. Yeah, indeed it is. And, you know, I, I use actually the, the LTE connection for uh, video streaming uh, from time to time. I usually am using it with the Sling service. Uh, I've got a Sling box at home and when you connect it to it uh, over LTE, um, it does indeed throttle it. Uh, but uh, the service, to, in my opinion, is pretty reliable. I've had it up for literally hours at a time, you know, six, eight hours, and uh, it works generally pretty good. Uh, no dropouts, uh, anything like that. And so, um, you know, I, I, I kind of appreciate having that reliability from having the lower resolution. So for, you know, they're, they're claiming the carriers aren't specifically stated whether they're mentioning these particular services, but the carriers think they are covered by saying, well, we can't always guarantee our service is going to be full speed. And I think they think that disclaimer just covers them for everything uh, that's going on. But of course, you can you know easily check if that's actually the case by moving to different locations and different times of days. And you can see the stream rate on these video streams. So it's not hard to see whether or not they're actually throttling these ser- uh, you know specific video services or not. It should just be a little bit clearer when this is happening and how it's happening and provide you know, just maybe a little bit more transparency to it. I'm not sure how you best do that, um, you know, but it, it seems like the way that it is right now where you have to log into your account and you can make adjustments there uh, on some of the carriers, as an example, um, you know, to turn the, the full throttling uh, or to, to turn throttling off. 
Um, you know, but in other cases, you can't do anything about it. It's just built in there. Um, we're going to we're going to get some responses here that are probably going to do nothing except for answer the questions that the senators are asking and not actually change any of their specific policies or any of the ways that, uh, you know, you're you're engaging in with your carriers and watching video. But um, it, it does seem like we could we could use a little bit of work there. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess the, the more transparency, the better is really the, the name of this thing here. And to have the consumer being able to make the decision for themselves, what it is that they would like to see, whether it is either better quality using more data or lesser quality using less data or even no data in some instances. Well, Verizon Wireless planning to roll out support for RCS messaging in early 2019. Uh, Google has been pushing the RCS standard on carriers for several years. It's the next generation messaging system designed by the GSMA to provide media-rich messages, including red receipts, video calls, and group chats to Android devices around the world. Carriers are in are the linchpin. They must support it on the back end, of course. In the U.S., Sprint and T-Mobile announced support for RCS earlier this year, and each is in various stages of deployment. AT&T supports a version of RCS, though not the universal profile, which is what makes RCS work across carriers. Verizon hasn't said if it will support the universal profile, nor has the company said exactly when it will launch RCS. Verizon already offers a media-rich texting messages application called Message Plus to its customers, though it's not clear if Verizon will add RCS to that app or launch a brand new app. Probably they won't go universal profile if AT&T is not. Why would Verizon do that? Uh, so that's what my first thought would be. But you never know. Uh, and of course, this isn't really, uh, we, we probably won't see any support for Apple on this. So then we'll have kind of the Android versus Apple support, which is kind of annoying. Um, but of course, it is a very similar platform to iMessage, which would be awfully nice to have uh, for everybody who has Android. Indeed. And I, I, I really like having... Um, you know, a, a more media-rich messaging experience. Obviously, it's one of the reasons I love uh, iMessage and everything that's in there. And it's not that every single thing that's built into iMessage is overly useful, but uh, y- at least you have the ability to do all these different things, and that's what's great. Right, and it's a lot like the BlackBerry Messenger, which, of course, was the, you know, with the, the gold standard of messaging with the read receipts and, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the easy way to send images back and forth and to keep up with conversations kind of in real time and or knowing whether or not the person got the message or not. So whether or not, again, their universal profile gets adopted is really the question here and how it gets adopted. You would hope it would get uh, you know, integrated directly into messages, but perhaps that will not happen. We'll have to just wait and see what they come out with. Also from Verizon on Friday, they introduced a new application called My Numbers. This lets a single phone use up to four distinct phone numbers. The app is available to both Android and iOS, and customers who want or need to manage multiple numbers can add them to the application where they will each have their own voicemail inbox and SMS inbox. Each number added to the app costs $15 extra per month. The service uses software to mimic the idea of multiple SIMs in a single phone. Uh, My Numbers is available immediately. That's a very interesting service. I did this one kind of came out of left field uh, for me when I was reading them. Like that would be very handy for a work number or something like that. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is T-Mobile's had it with their digit service for the last year, year and a half, whatever it is. Um, and of course, you know, now you've got different devices with dual SIM capabilities, including, of course, most notably the iPhones and their dual SIM capabilities um, that are kind of pushing up on the competition with this piece. Uh, but you know, the, the this concept of multiple numbers has been around with virtual numbers for quite a while. It just hasn't been available through the carrier. And I think Verizon's trying to streamline this this offering here. Cost, you know, costing the customer $15 a 
$5 a month is a little steep when you can get a free number uh, from just Google Voice, not even like random services, but Google. Uh, so it doesn't seem like that's probably the best value. But if you're trying to deploy uh, virtual numbers, perhaps this is a, a good way to do it. If you're uh, trying to control and manage those numbers, say from an enterprise level and whatnot, um, that could be a good way to go. So at least it's an option here and you can now get for phone numbers on your Verizon device. T-Mobile CFO Braxton Carter believes the company is planned uh, planned deal with Sprint could close as early as the first quarter of 2019. The proposed merger is still being weighed on by the FCC and Department of Justice, and uh, Carter says the only remaining thing to happen is depositions with the DOJ, which have started and will be completed in a few weeks. Uh, the two companies proposed the merger in April and initially expected to close it during the first half of 2019. A key facet of the deal is 5G. Carter says the merger is needed for the two companies to compete with market leaders AT&T and Verizon. Uh, the combined assets of Sprint and T-Mobile can create eight times the 5G capacity that either uh, of us could do on a standalone basis and 15 times the speed, said Carter. If the government allows the merger to move forward, the U.S. will drop from four carriers down to three. Some say this reduces competition, which could lead to higher prices for consumers. Neither the FCC nor DOJ has made any official statements though about the deal i almost forgot about this one that it was even you know ongoing uh but certainly still two distinct companies uh, but uh, you know it can expect all this stuff to converge here very shortly right will we just go from a duopoly to a triopoly then I maybe guess. but maybe it'll be more competition and actually may work out for the the consumer it, it, it is possible for me i kind of feel like it's unlikely but it is possible I mean, at the very least, you've got, um, you know, you, you have one less choice uh, to, to make. And I, I think it's really interesting when, you know, you're talking about four services that, um, you know, are in many ways the same, like you're buying the same service and product and the level of service that you're getting from them um, kind of in general is the same, right? You know, 95 plus percent reliability on voice calls and all this stuff. Uh, but, you know, when it comes down to it, every service has its own pluses and minuses for people and certain services work better than others uh, and have better, you know, plans, the nuances of the plans. Um, and so it's it sometimes can be really hard to tell, you know, what's going to work best for you. Um, this is at least taking one of those out, one of those options out of the equation. And certainly less options is not not better, uh, but it'll it will maybe streamline a little bit of the decision making process for people uh, if there's any you know kind of sliver of light uh, to shed on this uh, when a you know uh, a merger happens between two companies. Next up, device news. One Plus on Monday said the Thunder purple color variant of its flagship OnePlus 6T phone could reach North America uh, as early as November 15th. The device was initially an exclusive to OnePlus's home market of China. The Thunder Purple model features a gradient rear panel that transitions from purple at the bottom to black at the top. Other than the color, though, all the other features of the phone are the same as the midnight black and mirror black versions. The Thunder Purple OnePlus 6T costs $579. AT&T Tuesday announcing that it will be the first U.S. carrier to sell the dedicated gaming device Razer Phone 2. The device will reach select stores November 16th and will be available online uh, the same day. The phone costs $799 and AT&T is looking for $26.67 per month for 30 months on an AT&T Next plan. It has a 5.7-inch Quad HD IGZO screen with a 120 hertz refresh rate and is powered by the Samsung uh, excuse me, Qualcomm Snapdragon 
845 processor with 8 gigs of RAM. The main camera features a wide field of view with the 12-megapixel sensor, while the secondary camera has a telephoto lens with a 12-megapixel sensor. It has an 8-megapixel front camera, and owners can adjust the illuminated chroma on the rear of the phone however they wish. The Razer Phone 2 has a 4,000 milliamp-hour battery that supports rapid charging and wireless charging. The chassis is rated IP67 for protection against water and dust, and the fingerprint reader is located on the right edge of the device. Razer has pulled off the headphone jack, but has included a DAC-assisted USB-C to 3.5mm adapter in the box, and the phone includes Dolby stereo speakers. It runs Android 8.1 and has its own launcher-styled after Razer's design language. It includes the Cortex mobile app, which where owners can find the latest games. The unlocked version of the Razer Phone 2 with AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon capability is already available online. T-Mobile this week announcing the upcoming availability of the T-Mobile Revel 2 and Revel 2 Plus smartphones. These are low-cost Android devices, rebadged, rebadged, that is, variants of the Alcatel 3 and Alcatel 7, respectively. Shared features include 18 by 9 displays, mirror black finishes, fingerprint sensors, 32 gigs of storage, and Android 8 Oreo. Each supports T-Mobile's Band 66 and Band 71 LTE. T-Mobile says the Revel 2 and Revel 2 Plus will be available online line and in stores November 16th and for a limited time the Revel 2 will be free and the Revel 2 Plus will be $84 when adding a line. T-Mobile didn't announce the full retail price of either phone. Metro by T-Mobile already sells the Revel 2 Plus and as the Alcatel 7 for $180. And Essential Products on Tuesday said the magnetic snap-on headphone jack that it announced over the summer is available for the Essential phone. Like existing Essential phone accessories, the 3.5mm headphone jack is a modular attachment that affixes to two small poles on the rear of the phone. With the mod attached, Essential phone owners can use wired headphones with the Essential phone. The audio adapter HD features a high-resolution ESS Sabre DAC with hardware rendering and an audio file-grade amp that can power high-end headphones. Essential updated the Essential phone itself earlier this year to deliver higher quality audio through support for master quality authenticated or MQA for studio quality sound. The audio adapter HD is available on Essential's website for $149. In software news, iPhone owners will soon be able to unlock and start their Volkswagen vehicles using Siri commands. Volkswagen of America Monday said it is bringing Siri support to its VW CarNet mobile application. In order to access voice commands, iPhone owners will need to have iOS 12 installed on their phone and a compatible car. Once properly set up, owners will be able to access Siri commands to lock and unlock the car, check estimated mileage, for fuel or battery charge and turn on and flash and honk and the horn uh, directly from the phone. The feature uh, supports Siri shortcuts allowing people to set up personalized phrases for tasks such as turning on the defroster or climate controls or locating their car with a where's my car command. Uh, the VW CarNet application already allows people to control certain aspects of their car via smartphone. The v- Volkswagen didn't say which models are compatible with the new Siri integration. And I'm sure it'll vary based on which model number, uh, model it is and what year it's in and cycle. But I'm kind of surprised uh, Audi and the uh, the other Volkswagen, the Porsche, uh, don't have this integration then as well. I would imagine that'd probably be coming for them if it's not uh, already available. 
Yeah, it seems like that's, you know, just kind of they get it into this as the mass market vehicle and, and make sure that it's, uh, you know, adopted and working and then go to the, the premium. And then, of course, the the uh, ultra premium or high end line, whatever you want to call it. So uh, very kind of interesting, though, uh, to, you know, it's obviously one thing to have, you know, CarPlay involved, but now to have Siri commands is yet an, another layer of this. Um, you know, it would be nice as we uh, continue to move forward to get more integration with more automakers with phones, because obviously we all have our phones with us all the time and it's just yet another layer that makes it a lot one less thing to have to carry around right and it's just getting more and more like star trek right yeah that's right yeah just you call to your car and it turns on and turns on the heater and and drives up to you too right i mean because some of these cars can park go park themselves and they come back to you too it's it's absolutely uh it's amazing pretty neat stuff Spotify Tuesday announcing a new way for people to manage their music. The company developed an app specifically for watchOS and the Apple Watch. So once installed, people will be able to play, pause, or skip to the next track, instantly set tempo matching songs for runs, connect to home speakers, as well as access and manage playlists. The wrist-borne controls also make it possible to favorite tracks and rewind podcasts on the go without reaching for the iPhone. The controls are built into the Spotify watch face, so Spotify says its new app for the watch will be rolling out to users over the upcoming weeks and uh, you'll need to update your Spotify application on your phone as well. It's free, though Spotify, of course, charges for some of its subscriptions. And Google Tuesday said its Project Fi wireless service will soon be more secure. The company is extending the way it uses a VPN to protect subscribers' connections. Moving forward, all connections, whether cellular or Wi-Fi, will be encrypted via Google's VPN. Using a VPN prevents bad actors from intercepting the data being sent between your device and the connection point. Moreover, the VPN was designed so a user's traffic isn't tied into their Google account or phone number, providing another layer of security. Google Fi provides LTE via three different carriers, Sprint, T-Mobile, and U.S. Cellular, and automatically switches to Wi-Fi when available. Google says Fi will be more proactive about returning to the cellular network when the Wi-Fi connection gets sketchy, and Google claims uh, this reduces the amount of time people wait for their device to switch over by as much as 40%. Google will begin distributing these new features to devices running Android 9 Pi and Project Fi over the coming week. Now, uh, I use a VPN on a pretty regular basis, mostly on the iPad, every once in a while on the phone, but mostly it's so that I can connect to a corporate network and do things with the the different resources that I would need to have when I was on the network, i.e. Con- you know, connecting back remotely to a computer uh, or accessing certain file shares. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm thinking I'm not thinking about it in a uh, security standpoint, uh, but it's not something where I'm trying to connect all the time to pr- to push literally all of my data over it so that I can be secure. And further, it's a corporate network, so it necessarily I don't want all of my personal transactions to be going over my corporate network. But in the case that, in the instance of what we're seeing here with Fi, uh, they're enabling a VPN that's going back to Google. So uh, not you, you are literally not controlling where any of your data is going. And to me, that uh, is a is a question, and maybe I just don't know enough about it. Uh, to, but it doesn't seem like that would be something that I would always want to have on. Right, because you know, do you trust Google more than the uh, unknown hotspot that you're at? I guess it's the it's you have to balance this out. I mean, you're trusting Google with your device already, so I guess it's probably better than than a completely unsecure uh, Wi-Fi access point or a network that you're unfamiliar with that security on. So I guess you have to kind of make that judgment call. Or 
just go out and get your own VPN that you can trust more than one of than than Google's own service. I guess is the other option you could do. Yeah, and for the most part, I, I think you know the v, VPN services have. I mean, they're they're all over, and you can buy you know lifetime subscriptions to some. You can buy monthly subscriptions to some. You can get some for free. All have uh, their pluses, the very clear pluses. All have uh, some negatives. Some are uh, not as clear as others. But um, you know, at the very least, you're you're doing something to protect yourself. Hopefully, by using a VPN. But just make sure that you're going with a service that you trust. Um, and uh, if you're using Project Fi, you're probably already trusting Google, and so you're probably okay with the fact uh, that it's connecting into their VPN. Uh, more than anything here, it, it's a you know it's a way to ensure that all the traffic is is getting routed uh, and not intercepted. Doesn't matter whether you're on v, uh, a Wi-Fi connection or a cellular connection. Uh, AT&T planning to stop offering AT&T Smart Limits, a service that allows parents to control their kids' phones. On November 26th, uh, those smart limits no longer being available uh, will be replaced by something called AT&T Secure Family. The new app and service has more features, a simpler user interface, and lets parents manage more phones at a lower price. Secure Family includes live location tracking and detailed location history for each family member. Parents can set up arrival and departure alerts, such as when kids leave school or arrive home. Parents can also schedule location updates that are sent automatically throughout the day. Secure Family includes content and usage controls. Parents can pause access to the internet, such as at bedtime, filter and block applications and online content based on age, set time limits for kids' daily internet access, and prevent kids from making purchases on the iTunes App Store or Google Play Store. AT&T Secure Family is available to iPhone and Android devices, costing $8 a month to manage up to 10 lines. And Cloudflare has extended its 1.1.1.1 DNS to mobile devices in a simple-to-use application. So the Quadruple 1 DNS is based on Cloudflare's global network, which is a, uh, the company claims has uh, 28% faster DNS services than other public resolvers, meaning faster web browsing. And like similar services, the Quadruple 1 DNS prevents internet service providers from snooping on DNS queries and the websites people visit for private browsing. Cloudflare says it is will never sell user data or take advantage of user data to target ads. Uh, there, is, there are no in-app purchases uh, in the Quadruple One DNS, and it is free to use for life, they say. The app is available to Google Play or on the Google Play Store and iTunes App Store. So this service has been around for a little while, but this, this, this new thing here for the Google Play Store in, in the iOS devices is for basically it sets up a VPN on the i. Uh, you can do this on Google without doing a VPN, but on iOS, you basically have to do a VPN connection in order to reroute your DNS queries because you can't specify individually. You, you have to specify individually on Wi-Fi networks you're on the DNS servers, which would be completely uh, onerous to change it every single time you connect to a, uh, a new Wi-Fi access point, if you can even do it now that I'm thinking about it. But uh, if you use this VPN connection is basically what this is making, it then routes it all, just the DNS queries over the VPN connection to Cloudflare, uh, Cloudflare's DNS services. But if you're at home on your home router, you can change your DNS to be uh, this across your entire network all at once. Uh, Google also offers 8.8.8 uh, for their DNS service as well if you want to avoid your particular ISPs. 
uh, uh, DNS servers? I, it's a good question, um, you know, just to kind of bring up in a conversation topic. Um, is it something that uh, we should care about? I've, I've always just used my provider's DNS servers and I've never uh, routed it through. Uh, I don't know how you deal with, with your traffic on both, you know, home and enterprise. You know, I usually use the, like for Comcast, usually I'm using Comcast servers. And the reason a lot of times you you may want to use your ISPs uh, because it may be faster because it's actually probably physically closer to you and DNS queries are quicker if they're closer to you. However, Cloudflare uh, does claim that theirs is very quick. I'll have to actually do some tests to see what uh, kind of speed it it, it, it pings out to, um, to their uh, DNS servers versus Comcast to see how that looks to me because it may actually be a lot better to go with this one or not. Yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, it's a uh, it's another thing to deal with and another thing to, you know, to troubleshoot if you've got an issue with your connection. So just keep that in mind if you're making a change like this uh, to your connections. Google on Thursday, making it making it easier for people to connect with businesses through Google Maps. Google has allowed Maps users to select countries to message businesses through the Google Maps application. This is intended to help when it might be inconvenient to call the business directly. Google is also expanding the availability of this feature to more countries, and they're now saving the conversations in Google Maps so that they can be revisited if users need to restart a conversation. And at the same time, Google released a new app for businesses called Google My Business, letting businesses easily set up and manage the ability to message customers. And also Thursday, Google announcing a small system update will reach watchOS-based devices over the next few months. So watchOS version version H focuses on fine-tuning battery performance. For example, an update to battery saver mode will force the watch to only display the time once the battery reaches 10%. After 30 minutes of inactivity, when a smartwatch isn't being worn, watchOS, uh, Wear OS watches will automatically go into deep sleep mode to conserve power. Google says watchOS watches uh, Wear OS watches will be easier to turn off thanks to the new two-step uh, power down routine. Last, Google is extending smart app uh, resume to all applications, letting watch wearers pick up where they left off across all apps on their watch. Google says Wear OS version H-, H will roll out to all devices over the next few months. Well, no questions or comments today, but if you have anything for us, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call 650-999-0524 or send us email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at the cell phone junkie.com. 